Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell you. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Welcome to the David Pollock Show. I'm show we have um another exciting show for you tonight we're going to be covering a lot of stuff i want to get you up to speed about what really happened in fulton county on election night 2020 i know trump has been indicted for making a phone call and i will a perfect phone call and i'll tell you all about that in just a moment here uh we also are going to be talking about what actually happened on january 6th another reason why Donald Trump got indicted. So tonight, we are bringing you another point of view, things that maybe haven't been reported in the mainstream media. So I cannot wait to get to that. But first, I want to get you up to speed with some things that are going on. We're only on one day a week on Mondays, so I have to wrap up everything that's going on and stuff we will be talking about just to put on your guys' radar. I don't know if you've seen it. Your liberal friends are probably wearing masks again. You've seen them in the grocery stores. You've seen them out in public in their cars with the windows up, driving by themselves, jogging on bikes. Uh, the masks are back because uh, then this is according to InfoWars. The Biden administration is prepping uh, to enforce new lockdowns uh, starting probably around September and October. Um, there's also reports that the government has been buying COVID-19 equipment consistent with this reporting. Now, I don't know. If you go and Google COVID, you will start to see all the fake news is all out there talking about COVID, 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 this new variant. Make sure you get boosted so you don't get sick after you get sick so you don't get sicker. You know, and then if there's a side effect, but at least it wasn't as bad as the sick you would have gotten if you wouldn't have got sick at all. If you wouldn't have got boosted. Anyway. Uh, so that needs to be on your radar. Um, Gavin Newsom's up to no good. Uh, they've decided if they can't beat Trump, uh, what they're going to do is ask the state assembly to pass a bill that removes Trump's name from the ballot. Funny how the legislator, legislature has power uh, that they pretend they don't have that they actually do have. And apparently he's working with other legislatures in states like California, Florida. We'll see about that. Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Nevada, um, all in an effort to try to keep Trump off the ballot. Keep the choice away from you so you cannot put the man in office who is trying to give you back your country. And, of course, you got to keep the government shutdown talk on your radar because uh, by September 30th, if they don't make a deal, the House Freedom Caucus is saying they will not support any measure that doesn't include uh, policies like the border, weaponization of the Department of Justice, and woke policies in the military. So these are all things to keep on your radar. I'm sure we'll be talking about it as time comes. I just wanted to let you know that's going on out there. And now it is time for the main event. Ding, ding, ding. The topic of this show tonight, a crime for thee, not for me. 
We are taking a closer look at those events that I referenced at the beginning of the show that gave rise to Trump's latest indictments. If you recall last week, Trump was indicted in Georgia uh, by a rogue prosecutor laughing as she's talking about the charges against him, RICO charges, conspiracy charges. She did exactly what she vowed to do, just like the prosecutor in New York. But what actually happened on election night in Fulton that, that Trump was calling for? We're going to listen to the tapes in a little bit, too, so you can actually hear. But if you recall, on election night, there was a water main break. Remember all this? A water main break. They have to stop counting. And then you, I think you'll remember that video of bag or suitcases of ballots being dragged out from under a table after that. And then, of course, they're going to deny that there was ever a water main break. They corrected it shortly after. I don't know if you saw that. Clarification regarding the plumbing incident. It wasn't a water main break. It was just a toilet that was overflowing. Meanwhile, they evacuated the building, even though they later said they didn't do that. Um, later, if there's time, I have news stories. See, the thing is they forget when they lie to you that they reported on the lie and there was news stories talking about the water main break. Now they're just pretending it never happened. That's part of this call. But before I go any further, I have to bring in my first guest. I'm excited to have Mr. Garland Favorito on the show. He's a co-founder of the Voters, um, uh, co-founder of Voters Organized for Trusted Election Results in Georgia. He knows what happened on election night 2020, regardless of what they pretend happened. Garland, welcome to the show. Well, David, thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. And not only do we know what happened on election night, we know what happened before the election to set it up and what happened after the election to make it go down. So we have got the whole gamut of the corruption that took place in, in the state of Georgia uh, in the 2020 election. Well, let's get right into it. What happened? Leading up to election night 2020, and then on election night 2020 in Fulton County, Georgia, sir. All right. Well, Georgia uh, was victimized by a multifaceted attack, um, and some of the things that you've already described, David. But let's start off before the election ever took place. Before the election ever took place, Mark Zuckerberg had put $45 million into Georgia counties with a standard agreement through CTCL, Centers for Technology, Civic, and Light, that they were to install unsecure drop boxes and conduct partisan get-out-the-vote efforts. Uh, he distributed that money, 94%, to counties that Biden won, heavily Democrat counties. That increased the turnout uh, in, by 35% in those counties, and that uh, resulted in a net increase of 200,000 votes for uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats, which basically switched not only the presidential race, which was a stat, which was allegedly decided by 11,779 votes, but it also switched the U.S. Senate race because David Perdue was only 26,000 votes from uh, Shive having no runoff whatsoever and winning the U.S. Senate seat outright. So that was the first thing that went down. That was the, the pre-election uh, situation uh, in the state of Georgia. Um, and if you'd like me to move on, we can move on to the election day. Uh, as you said, um, we've already talked a little bit about those uh, ballots that were hidden under a table. They were pulled out uh, in, in ballot bags that looked like suitcases. Um, that is, uh, these are all, the things that you described, are all violations of Georgia law, but we were told by the Secretary of State's office that this is, what we saw in the video is just 
normal ballot process, and that's just simply not true. Uh, so here's Georgia was also victimized by a ballot trafficking operation in the metro Atlanta area. So the um, this was operating in about a half a dozen or more counties in metro Atlanta. And how do we know that? Well, first of all, there's four pieces of corroborating evidence. The first one is that we have sworn affidavits from four senior Fulton County poll managers who handled counterfeit ballots in the November 15th hand count audit. They knew that these ballots were counterfeit because they were mail-in ballots, but they were not folded from being mailed. They were not written with a writing instrument. It appeared they had been copied uh, with toner. Uh, They were not on the correct paper stock, and they were voted the same way, 100 ballots in a row, all on the down-ballot races. So those were clear forgeries. But as you also probably know, David, they... Um, there is geo-trafficking evidence from True the Vote that shows the, this ballot trafficking operation uh, around the metro Atlanta area. And uh, we also have um, the videos of the ballot traffickers stuffing ballots in ballot boxes throughout metro Atlanta. We even have one that's not in 2,000 mules that we got out of Gwinnett County, and it has uh, a ballot trafficker fanning the ballots, taking a picture of them so they can get paid, and then stuffing all a dozen of them or so into the ballot box. So those are three pieces of corroborating evidence. But the fourth piece is is the statistical evidence, whereas um, uh, Joe Biden uh, basically in in averaged roughly about 4% more votes, we believe, than Hillary Clinton got in 2016 in most counties. But in the metro Atlanta counties, he was uh, ranking up about 32 percent more votes. So that is where the ballots were uh, trafficked and stuffed uh, in in uh, in in the uh, metro Atlanta area. So that was all went down in 2020. Um, And then we also have some we found that the uh, voting machine results as a third thing were electronically altered before Fulton County uh, certified their 2020 uh, results. Uh, So we have explained all this. We have multiple lawsuits against Fulton County over this. Fonnie Willis, the district attorney of Fulton County, knows that, but yet she kept all this information from the grand jurors to keep them dumbed down and believing that there was no evidence of election fraud in uh, in in Fulton County or in the state of Georgia, uh, all of which was uh, completely uh, untrue. Yeah, I, I, that was probably the most concise and um, understandable um, discussion and articulation of what happened in Fulton County. And this is exactly now. Actually, it's more than what Trump, when he made that uh, call to the Georgia Secretary of State, um, that they allege uh, was improper. That is that is actually more than they raised. And I got to take a quick break. Can you stay on the line with me for just a second? I got to go to a quick commercial and then I want to follow up on everything you just brought up. So, guys, don't go anywhere more with Garland when we return.
you an insurance agent or property manager looking for a reliable and accurate property inspection? Floridian Property Consultants specializes in citizens' insurance packages and replacement cost appraisals, so you can get bound quickly, easily, and accurately. FPC's experienced inspectors will make sure each assessment meets all the insurance carrier standards while ensuring that you don't pay for more than you need. Work with a company that respects your time and budget as much as you do. Visit online at FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. That's FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. Seems Florida is a popular place to live these days, but do you know who is not feeling the effects of limited home inventory? Bugs. That's right. As popular as Florida is for people, pests like it even more, which is why I recommend pest control, termite treatment, and fertilization from Protex. With over 40 years of experience, their fully licensed, bonded, and insured team utilize state-of-the-art products and techniques to maintain a pest-free home. But that's not all. They also provide the highest quality fertilization and pond management services so you can have a green yard and not a green pond. So if you want to keep your lawn on green and your home bug free. Call Protex today at 407-542-0044 or visit them online at protexlawn.com. That's P-R-O-T-E-X lawn.com. Hello, Brad and Ryan and everybody. We appreciate the time and the call. Um, so we've spent a lot of time on this and uh, if we could just go over some of the numbers, I think it's pretty clear that we won. We won very substantially, uh, Georgia. Uh, you even see it by rally size, frankly. We'd be getting 25, 30,000 people a rally, and uh, the competition would get less than 100 people, and it never made sense. But we have a, a number of things. We have at least two or three, anywhere from 250 to 300,000 ballots were dropped mysteriously into the rolls. Much of that had to do with uh, Fulton County, uh, which hasn't been checked. We think that if you check the signatures, a real check of the signatures going back in Fulton County, you'll find at least a couple of hundred thousand of uh, forged signatures of uh, people with, uh, that who's, who have been forged. Uh, and uh, we are quite sure that's going to happen. Another, uh, another a tremendous number. We're going to have an ac accurate number over the next two days with certified accountants, uh, but an accurate number uh, will be given, but it's, it's uh, in the 50s of thousands, uh, and that's people that went to vote, and they were told they can't vote because they've already been voted for, uh, and uh, it's a very sad thing. They walked out uh, complaining, but they, the, the number is large. We'll have it for you, but it's very it's much more than the a number of 11,779. That's the the current margin is only 11,779. Uh, Brad, I think I think you agree with that, right? That's that's something I think everyone, at least that's a number that everyone agrees. And with. that was Donald Trump on that infamous call uh, made to the Georgia Secretary of State, where he was not saying "find me the 11,779 votes." In a, in a conspiracy of like a mafia gangster making threats, the president made a phone call with evidence that was publicly available showing that there was proof of fraud in the Fulton County election. And now you just heard from Garland Favorito saying the same thing. Guys, we have evidence of this. Now, Trump has been indicted because he dares ask the question, 
what happened in Fulton County. Now, you've heard what happened in Fulton County, not just from the president. You heard it from Garland. You've heard it from a lot of people who are screaming. Please look into this fraud, not just in Georgia, but in Arizona, in Nevada, Michigan, North Carolina. There was all over the country. Funny things happened on election night. And people are upset about it. But you can't look into it anymore because of January 6th. And we'll talk about that later. But I want to go back to Garland. Garland, you heard the president's own words. You laid out the case. So if all of these things happen, if all this evidence of fraud exists, why did the Georgia Secretary of State basically tell the president and the entire country, we've looked into that and um, what we discovered uh, was none of that evidence. We see no evidence of fraud. What do you think about that? Well, um, the Secretary of State, the short answer to that, David, the Secretary of State has been in cover-up mode ever since the day after the election. But let me just um, add, Donald Trump was completely right about those two things that he just mentioned. So one was, the, he said something to upwards around 200, 250 to 300,000 ballots were inserted after the election. That is absolutely true. Uh, and you, uh, you only have to go to Brad Raffensperger's own video, his NBC interview on Monday, uh, I'm sorry, Wednesday morning after the election, I think it was the 4th of November, where he said that um, there were two, um, 2.4 million votes, uh, voters who voted, and um, that, um, and that he had uh, uh, basically allowed... Uh, the reason he knew the number of votes who voted because the counties have to report that, uh, and um, uh, at ten o'clock on election night, that was their their requirement. Um, so he said, um, I think I said two point four. I meant five point four. But anyway, uh, he ended up certifying, and he said that he was going to finish the county that day on Wednesday, and that that uh, four point seven million voters had voted. And he ended up not finishing the count that day, and he allowed another 240,000 or so, or maybe 300,000 votes to be injected. He certified 4.998 million votes after saying only 4.7 million votes were cast. And he knew that the number of votes that were cast because their counties are required to, to um, report that. So uh, when Donald Trump says this, he is absolutely positively correct. There were uh, two to 300,000 votes in injected into the Georgia election results after the election was conducted. Um, and that, that's, uh, that's basically by Brad Raffensperger's own admission in his own video. The other thing that uh, Donald Trump said was he mentioned the uh, signature uh, ma matching. And in Fulton County alone, the signature rejection rate, which is normally about 3.47%, which is what it was in 2018, uh, because of this decree that uh, Ravensburger entered with the Democrat Party, that reduced the signature um, rejection rate to 0.34 by verifying the signature of the ballot, not against what's on file, but against the application. That set up for all sorts of fraud. The rejection rate was... Uh, dropped by 90 percent, and in Fulton County alone, that made a difference of about 44,100 ballots. So so he's absolutely correct on those two things. Uh, David, and to your point, the question is, why is uh, Brad Raffensperger covering this up? 
Um, I think it's because election officials always want quiet elections. They don't really care who won. They just want to make sure that no uh, corruption or problems are exposed. And Brad Ravensburger has been in cover-up mode uh, since the day after the election, November 4, 2020. And it's gotten worse and worse over time. So that would be my my, uh, answer to, to those questions. But now after the pushback, I mean, the president of the United States is calling, and he's saying, hey, we know these things happen. And I understand he wants to save face. But on that call, the president asks, you know, he says, look, I'm not asking you to do anything other than just, look, if something wrong happened, just admit that something wrong happened and let's move forward. But do you think that maybe there's more than just him wanting to have a fair election? Do you think maybe they're happy with the result? Well, in regards to Raffensperger, um, um, he has a series of controllers that are certainly are not, uh, uh, they're extremely opposed to Donald Trump being elected uh, president again. And so obviously that has something to do with it. Uh, he has uh, subordinated our voter registration uh, database to a cloud-based Salesforce system whose chairman, Mark Benioff, sits on the board of the World Economic Forum, which was funded by George Soros and, uh, and founded by Klaus Schwab, who wrote the Great Reset book. Um, so that's just, uh, you know, and then he allowed the Zuckerberg uh, money to come in uh, as well. Um, so his controllers are people who do not want Donald Trump to be reelected. And regardless of whether he's an R or a D, that's all irrelevant. You know, this is a uniparty system, and uh, it's obvious that, um, you know, Brad Ravensburger is kowtowing around with these Marxist uh, individuals, uh, you know, people like David Becker, uh, who was, um, resigned, was forced to resign from the Department of Justice for anti-Republican, anti um anti-Trump, uh, or not Trump at that time, but anti-Republican bias. Uh, and, uh, you know, Becker went on to, to do uh, CEIR. Uh, that was funded by uh, Soros, or excuse me, Zuckerberg. Uh, his original organization, uh, Pew Research, where he worked, was funded by Soros. So he's well-connected. Another organization that Ravensburger's dealt with called Voting Works, the Benedetta. Um, he is an incredibly uh, anti-Trump calls the Republicans fascist, and yet Brad Raffensperger is spending money uh, with them. And then you've got the, uh, the whole Dominion situation with Runback ballots. Runback, uh, Kevin um, um, Runback uh, was a heavy contributor to Democrat interests. Uh, uh, interest. I think he's got had eight different donations in 2020 uh, to uh, Biden for president and, uh, and uh, Act Blue. Um, and you know, and then you've got the uh, finally you've got the Dominion situation with Eric Coomer, who, according to the Joe Altman uh, affidavit, the sworn affidavit, uh, has said that on a phone call that he would make effing sure that Donald Trump does not win the 2020 election. Yeah, yeah. And and the head of CTCL, David Plouffe, who funded all this money in here, he also wrote the book, A Citizen's Guide to Beating Donald Trump. Uh, so that's a, a little bit of the of the anti anti-Trump, anti-Republican um, um, uh, bias that Brad Ravensburger has just bought into and helped fund with Georgia's taxpayer money. Uh, it's, it's just an absolute disgrace down here, David. 
Now, um, now I'm hopeful, and I think most of America is, you know, that a lot of these election civil suits, you know, that they've tried to bring to uncover some of this stuff, you know, the courts doesn't don't really want to deal with it, it seems. But now Willis has gone and indicted Donald Trump, turning himself in, $200,000 bail. This evidence has to come out now if they're going to try to criminally prosecute Donald Trump. Do you feel, and I want to know about your lawsuits, where they're at, and do you feel like some of this information might start to come to light and be taken a little bit more seriously now that Trump's entitled to it uh, for his defense? Well, yeah, David, it certainly would come to light if Trump um, has to defend himself in a court of law. Um, The thing that you have to ask is that uh, given that the indictment is so incredibly bizarre and weak, uh, was it Fannie Willis's intent for ever get this in a court, or is she just simply trying to grandstand to try to get as much uh, publicity on this uh, to try to prevent Trump from being either uh, winning the Republican nomination or being elected? Uh, I don't see how this could possibly hold up in a in a legitimate court of law. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, so what she intends to do with it. Uh, is really uh, an interesting question, but but if if he did actually have to go to court with it, as you said, uh, of course all this evidence that I've talked about and other evidence that you know Donald Trump has talked about, all that would have to come out. Um, I don't see how a judge could keep that out of any kind of a legitimate hearing. So it would all be exposed for what it is. I just don't know uh, whether we're going to end up in court. Or, or or not because it would just it's going to be all exposed as you said uh, if it goes to to trial so um, it's just we'll have to wait and see what happens I guess and I know that's what most Americans are hoping for thank you so much for giving us all this insight if you want to hear more from Garland check out my Twitter space tonight starting at eight thirty p.m. after the show he'll be in there to answer some of your questions Garland co-founder of Voters Organized for Trusted Election Results in Georgia. Look him up. Help him out. He's trying to save America one state at a time. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, David. It's great to be with you. Guys, we got to go to a break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about what really happened on January 6th. So don't go anywhere. The David Pollack Show will be right back. David Pollack here. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more information on any of our sponsors, or perhaps you want to hear a replay of a past show, make sure to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. There, you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. Business owners, are you sick of dealing with those big-name telecommunications companies that leave you frustrated with terrible customer service and then lock you into long-term contracts? That's why I want to introduce you to my friends over at Public Telephone Company. They are an industry-leading VOIP provider offering all-in-one business communication solutions that are completely contract-free with competitive pricing. But perhaps the best part, they're all about supporting their customers with U.S.-based customer service and they're always willing to go the extra mile. Don't let your phone company drive you mad. Call Public Telephone Company today at 877-314-4080 or visit them at publictelephonecompany.com. That's publictelephonecompany.com. 
With today's economic environment, it's never been more important to secure your hard-earned wealth for you and your family's future. FinSec Life works to offer industry-leading customer service to help successful individuals and businesses protect their wealth. Whether it's a business succession plan, estate liquidity, or a variety of life and long-term care policies, FinSec Life can help deliver peace of mind, knowing that if something happens, you or your company is taken care of. Visit FinSecLife.com. That's F-I-N-S-E-C Life.com. Securities offered through Valmark Security, Inc., member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Valmark Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. FinSec Life is a separate entity from Valmark Securities, Inc. and Valmark Advisors, Inc. Several blocks off the parade route, anti-Trump protesters turned destructive and violent. More than 200 people were arrested and at least six police officers were injured. Chip Reed has more on this. Protesters dressed in black, some wearing masks, moved through downtown streets, setting fires, smashing storefront windows, some fighting with police. Officers dressed in riot gear responded with pepper spray and stun grenades. It is our duty to fight for our freedom! Closer that was uh, not January 6th. That was uh, no. Uh, that was January 2016, when Trump was inaugurated. Protesters came to D.C. from all over the country, organized, well-funded, injured people, attacked police officers, destroyed businesses, set cars on fire, attacked people, blocked checkpoints to get in to the inauguration tried to disrupt Donald Trump swearing in. Was that an insurrection? No. Resist. Resist, they say. Madonna and the Women's March the next day, dreaming of blowing up the White House, she said. Calls for violence. But was that an insurrection? No. Resist. But somehow, after what you just heard for the first half of this show, after election result after election result coming in, questionable, nobody seemingly interested in investigating it, people growing frustrated that their voices weren't heard, they descended on Washington, D.C. And when they did, they listened to the president, asked for them to peaceably, peacefully assemble, peacefully march and make their voices heard because their voices weren't being heard. They weren't sure what happened on election night in 2020, and they wanted answers. Is the president's duty to uphold the Constitution? And a lot of people believe that what happened on election night was unconstitutional in many places. And up until what they now call January 6th, people were legitimately asking questions. Then, coincidentally— on the day that President Trump holds a protest to call for people to investigate the election. He didn't call for people to come and go into the Capitol. He called for people to peacefully assemble. You heard it all in the impeachment trial, his second one. Then something happens. While Trump is speaking on the other side of D.C., some people, encouraged by some people, let's just leave it there, other people were 
welcomed in to the Capitol. Everybody knows what happened next. Now we're not allowed to talk about the election anymore. You can't question the election anymore. You could be thrown in jail. They can come to your house, arrest you. Sometimes put you in solitary confinement two years before you get a trial. If you dare question what happened on the election night now, because January 6th, anybody who questions it, they're terrorists, domestic terrorists. Free speech is under attack. Donald Trump is under attack. And Americans, like my next guest, Jake Chansley, he was under attack. You might know him as the media dubbed him as the QAnon shaman, I guess based because he was wearing a headdress and he had his face painted patriotically. He's going to tell you in his own words what happened on January 6th. Was it the same as being portrayed in the media? Is it, is it exactly how the government now is alleging when they're trying to indict Donald, well, they've indicted Donald Trump in D.C. for inciting January 6th? Jake, welcome to The David Pollack Show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Now, the first half of the show, we talked about Fulton County because now Trump was just indicted there because he made a perfect phone call asking, hey, we have all these instances of fraud. We need to look into it. But now he's been indicted for that. And previously, he was indicted for January 6th because he made statements that inspired people to host an insurrection in the Capitol. You got arrested in that. But your story isn't consistent with what they're alleging. Can you tell us what happened on January 6th? Well, let's look at it like this. Let's look at it from a numbers perspective. There were over a million people in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And they, literally less than 1% of those people that were in Washington, D.C. on January 6th were at the Capitol. Less than 1% of the people that were at the Capitol did things like vandalism or, you know, clashing with police officers, et cetera. And so this notion of a quote-unquote insurrection is, a Operation Mockingbird media narrative that is being used to demonize Trump supporters and to divide the country. The Mockingbird media has uh, chosen to create a divisive propaganda campaign uh, because their agenda is to keep America divided so that we don't unite as Americans for freedom. And what and so on on that and, and, and what you're saying, a lot of people agree with. A lot of people feel like there's a lot of effort to divide us, and that's where they're trying to find every little thing to divide us, whether it be on trans issues, whether it be on race issues, whether it be whatever they can find to divide us on, economic, economics or even climate change. Whatever they can do to divide us, they do. But on January 6th, it was special because here they were trying to paint Americans just protesting as being terrorists, insurrectionists. And there was a lot of people swept up in that. Even people who might not even have been at the Capitol that day have been arrested or investigated. Now, in your case, the video has been out. A lot of people have seen it, where you're actually being escorted around the Capitol. Capitol Police were everywhere, and you weren't breaking any. What happened when you walked? How did you end up in the Capitol that day? What happened? Well, I walked through open doors, but the reason why the Capitol Police escorted me to the Senate chamber was because I offered my assistance in helping them to prevent theft, prevent vandalism, and also help them uh, clear the chamber. So that's why I was being escorted around, because I offered to help. And, and, the, and the other people that were entering the building, um, there were some people that were violently entering the building, breaking windows and things. We've seen video of that. We also seen uh, people who were just protesting getting shot for being there. No, none of the police officers, from what I understand, 
were killed in that instance. Only protesters were killed, correct? From what I understand, yes, and the media even attempted to use the death of, doctor, uh, of uh, Officer Sicknick as a way of saying, oh, there was violence and police were killed, even though it's been proven that that wasn't the case at all. So the media was either spewing disinformation accidentally or purposefully, and given their record, I'm inclined to believe that it was purposeful, because the media, the Mockingbird media and the intelligence agencies collude when it comes to the creation of narratives. And if we look at the intelligence failures, the deliberate intelligence failures that um, Officer um, Sun was talking about on Tucker Carlson's interview, then this is indicative of a very long and orchestrated, in, in my opinion, nefarious agenda to allow this to happen. And, you know, the police at the Capitol were the ones that suffered the most. And this just goes to show how little people like McConnell and Pelosi actually care about the people that are there protecting their lives, let alone the American citizens. So there's been talk uh, and, and suspicion that um, the federal government might have had uh, people working undercover and sort of whether they were inciting the actual entry into the Capitol or they were just involved in it. Did you witness anybody that didn't seem like they were kind of pro-Trump but kind of was just scooped up, whether it be Antifa or government? What did you witness as far as the type of people that were there that you were trying to protect the Senate chamber from? Well, I didn't witness anything too bad on the inside, that's for sure. But this is what I was saying about like a divisive Mockingbird media campaign is that the CNN, MSNBC types are only showing footage from on the outside of the Capitol and saying it was a violent insurrection. And then the uh, Fox News Newsmax types are, are showing footage from inside the Capitol saying it was a peaceful protest, when in fact it's not black, it's not white, it's a gray issue. The gray issue is that yes, there were people that assaulted police officers outside the building and that broke windows and, and you, know, you know, destroyed property to get inside. But once inside, Everything was largely peaceful. I mean, there were there were. I mean, Nashley Babbitt was shot, and you know there was another protester. I forgot her name right now. That was taken out on a stretcher. But um, the fact of the matter is, inside everything was peaceful. People were walking in between the ropes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, if if it was think about if it was Antifa or BLM and the things that you that they were doing all over the country for literally over. 200 days here in the United States in 2020, imagine if it was those people inside the building. Now, this is, this is kind of how I look at this. If we look at the quote-unquote intelligence failure that happened with January 6th, and we parallel that with the fact that there have been FBI agents that have come forward and said that they were not allowed to investigate BLM, they were not allowed to investigate Antifa, that they were told that was not allowed from their superiors, then we're beginning to see how infiltration instead of invasion, to quote JFK, has taken a very large role in modern American politics and the bureaucracy and what these agencies choose to investigate or not investigate and how it is that infiltrating the higher level of these agencies is essential in order to bring America to its knees from within. Now, there's been a lot of talk about the way January 6th prisoners have been treated versus 
people arrested for other crimes. What was your experience with the way you were treated um, after you were arrested for January 6th? What, was it, was, were you treated differently, in your opinion? And do you know of other people that have, might have been being held in uh, solitary confinement, like people have said? Or well, what's the situation with that? Well, with respect to this notion of ill treatment, I was, it was said that I was a quote-unquote danger to society and a flight risk, which to me just doesn't make sense uh, because I wasn't charged with anything. Like I didn't, I didn't commit any acts of violence. So this notion of being a dangerous society to me is, is rather silly. But then I also turned myself in. When the FBI was looking for information on me, I called the FBI and scheduled a meeting with them in Phoenix upon my return home to Phoenix. So this notion of being a flight risk to me just seems rather silly. I think what happened is that the media and their campaign uh, used me as their straw man. This is where they came up with the term QAnon shaman. They said I called myself that. That's totally not true at all. Um, they also correlated my image with the events of that day. So in my opinion, it really kind of put the judge in a hard between a rock and a hard place because now here's this person that was made the face of this day that, it, you know, nonviolent, um, called the FBI, turned themselves in. But if I were to be let go, then the Mockingbird media would just be all over the place and the judge would, uh, would have bad press because, oh, the judge let him go. You know, I respect Judge Lamberth. Um, he's been a federal judge for 34 years. He's also a Vietnam veteran. So I, I understand, I think, I, I try to, my best to understand where it is that he's coming from. Now, I, so I think that this notion that I was a dangerous society and a flight risk is absolutely unfounded. Um, so the fact that I was kept in solitary confinement, let's address that really quick. They said that it wasn't about putting me in solitary confinement for punitive reasons. It was because of one, COVID, quote-unquote, and two, because I was in, quote-unquote, protective custody because of how I profile my case was. Now, that being said, when I was transferred from Phoenix or from Florence here in Arizona in the prison I was at there to Oklahoma and then over to D.C., then when I was in Oklahoma, I was in general population. Okay, when I was transferred to D.C., I was placed in solitary confinement with all the other J6 prisoners for, quote, unquote, COVID reasons. Now, that being said, I have never experienced real racism until I was in the D.C. jail. I've never experienced racism until that, that time in my life. Now, furthermore, there was a guard inside the D.C. jail that was wearing a Black Lives Matter COVID mask that, according to the other prisoners, was very provocative and, like, instigative of a confrontation with the January 6th prisoners. Um, now, what was really interesting, though, was as I fasted for 11 days um, because the food wasn't organic and I would have very real, uh, m like, medical issues with that as well as religious issues, um, I was basically starving. You know, I wasn't on a hunger strike in spite of what the media was saying. I was fasting because the food wasn't organic. But um, the people that were treating me ill because they believed the Mockingbird media, these, these people of color, these black 
COs, they eventually, their heart and heart began to soften as they saw me suffering. And they began to see me more as a human. And I actually had a conversation with several of them when I was taken to the hospital because it was just protocol. There was nothing wrong with me, but the D.C. jail wanted to cover their rear end. So they took me to the hospital. And when I was in the hospital, I had a conversation with these three uh, COs that were in charge of, you know, making sure everything went okay. And uh, they found, oh, my gosh, you know, I actually have a lot more in common with this guy than I thought. And we actually had a very good, productive conversation. Now, coming back to this idea of solitary confinement, when I was transferred from D.C. jail to Alexandria Detention Center because they could, they could accommodate my organic diet, I was in, the, I was in uh, Alexandria Detention Center in solitary confinement for like five months until I was transferred again to Oklahoma, I mean, uh, to Oklahoma and then to Colorado. Now, when I was in Oklahoma this other time and when I was in Colorado, I was in general population. So did this notion of COVID or this notion of protecting me go out the window? And then after I was there and in general population, I was sent back to Alexandria, Virginia and placed in solitary confinement again. So then after that, I was transferred back to Oklahoma after my sentencing. Once again, I was in general population. And then I was transferred over to the prison I was at and allowed in general population. So I think that it was they can come up with whatever reason they want when you are in federal custody to treat you however they want. Now, the COs, pretty much everywhere I went, for the most part, with the exception of a little bit in D.C. when I was there, um, they treated me fine. My treatment was fine. With the exception of being solitary confinement, I was treated fairly. Um, in fact, it's not like any of the COs voted for Biden. So a lot of the COs were curious about the truth about what happened because they weren't believing what was in the Mockingbird media. And all the, a lot of the inmates, too, were really curious and wanted to meet me. So my treatment overall, was, besides the solitary confinement thing, was fair. And, I, and, and that may be somewhat unpopular, but uh, the fact of the matter is that that is the case. And I'm not going to lie and say that it wasn't. The solitary confinement thing, though, is the only thing that's where I, I take real issue. That and the racism aspect of what was going on in the D.C. jail. Final question um, with regards to there's discussion of when you were released. It was right around the time Tucker Carlson was releasing the tapes. And um, what the media was saying was that you were scheduled to be released anyway. Did those tapes have an effect on your release or was it just uh, coincidental with your regularly scheduled release? It was divine providence. Tucker Carlson releasing that footage three weeks before my release was God's will. It had my, those tapes had nothing to do with my release. But what's interesting about that is how fast the disinformation narrative spread throughout the country that Tucker Carlson was a hero, that McCarthy was a hero, that, that those tapes got me released. And nothing could be further from the truth. I had my release date in mid-February. Wow. Jake, thank you so much um, for all of the information and your and your uh, honesty about January 6th. I know a lot of people are uh, curious to hear, you know, the firsthand accounts of people who are actually on the ground there. And I know a lot of people are concerned about, you know, the way January 6th prisoners are treated. So a lot of that information, I'm sure um, our listeners really appreciate. Thank you so much um, for being on the show. And um, is there any uh, is there any uh, thing you want to promote or is there any organizations you're a part of now or anything like anything like that that people can come and find you? 
Well, um, I have my own website that's uh, on, at uh, ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com. Go to ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com. At ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com, we have all sorts of free courses. I also have a podcast that you can find there, Forbidden Truth Podcast, that you can check out. A lot of, uh, I think all of my interviews are on there as well in the menu tab. If you just click interviews, you can see all the interviews that I've done. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter. That's at America Shaman. That's America Shaman, at America Shaman on Twitter. And um, my uh, lawyer, Bill Shipley, has a uh, January 6th legal defense fund. If you would like to contribute to um, whatever um, clients and legal fees uh, may have, uh, you know, because Bill's doing a lot of this uh, out of the kindness of his heart. So he's just asking for people to go there and donate because he's, he's not just representing me, he's representing a number of January 6th cases. Um, but I'd like to make one final point sure. about the division in the country, if that's okay. Please, please, go ahead. Okay. So Operation Mockingbird is when the CIA infiltrated all the major media outlets in the 60s and the 70s to control the narrative in the country and to do so during the civil rights movement and the anti-war movement. And since their control over the media has only gotten stronger and stronger, I think that we really need to start calling the media mockingbird media instead of mainstream media because they are the mockingbird media because of Operation Mockingbird. That's what they are. What they'll do is one news outlet will put something out and say, a source says, and then another news outlet will then parrot or mock Mockingbird what it is that that news outlet has said, and then that narrative spreads, and it creates this illusion that this is the truth. And based on this divisive propaganda, the country is then dividing itself into, the, into groups, compartmentalized and propagandized groups, based on the narrative or the illusion that they choose to believe. Now, if you do any digging of your own, what you'll end up finding is that like 80% of the stuff in the Mockingbird media is disinformation. The other 20% is information or is true. So through this misinformation narrative, the country is divided and an illusion is created in people's minds as to what is real and what is false. And then you have these groups of people in the country arguing and fighting with each other over which illusion they choose to believe. Now, that being said, I think everybody in this country can agree on a couple of things. Republican and Democrat voters can all agree that if there is a cure for cancer, and there are many, there's one called vitamin B17. You can read the book World Without Cancer by G. Edward Griffin that explains the story of vitamin B17 and the fact that because it has the implications to help cancer patients and it would basically bankrupt pharmaceutical companies, um, it is suppressed. He also talks about the influence of the Rockefellers in the modern medical industry. Yeah. Um, also, there's Dr. Rife, that's R-I-F-E, Royal Raymond Rife, and the machine that he created in the 1930s when he's working with Nikola Tesla using energy, frequency, and vibration to help basically improve health and to kill disease, okay? And this is pennies on a dollar that you could use this machine for. So once again, it would bankrupt the pharmaceutical industry. That man's life was destroyed, et cetera. Um, is, is there a way now, people can find out there, this information? Because i got to go to a break and run out of time for the show. But is, oh, is there a way people sure. can find this information on your website? And if they go and follow yeah, you on you Twitter, can, they yeah, can— you can go to 
You can go to my Twitter. I, I have lots of this stuff on there. And also, really quick, Tesla Tower Technology, infinite free, clean, wireless electricity. Everybody, Republican and Democrat voter alike, can agree that if there's a cure for cancer, that it should be released to the public in spite of the fact it would have negative implications for pharmaceutical profits. And everybody else can agree that, you know, if there's an infinite free, clean source of wireless electricity, that it should be released to the public in spite of the fact that it would have negative impacts on the oil industry, on the, um, the wind turbines, on the solar panels, on the lithium mining, because all of these things have the potential to free humanity and create a decentralized grid. I and love it, it is a centralized grid I love that it. the globalists are trying to create. Jake, Jake Chansley, thank you so much for being on the show. And guys, go check out Jake's website and go listen to Jake. He's got a lot of great information. And, and thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Guys, I got to go to a quick break. When I come back, uh, just a couple minutes left on the show to wrap things up. So don't go anywhere. Consultant specializes in citizens insurance packages and replacement cost appraisals, so you can get bound quickly, easily, and accurately. FPC's experienced inspectors will make sure each assessment meets all the insurance carrier standards while ensuring that you don't pay for more than you need. Work with a company that respects your time and budget as much as you do. Visit online at FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. That's FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. We've come a long way Oh, guys, welcome back to the David Pollack Show. Uh, we got a few minutes left on the show. Guys, you've heard a lot of information tonight about the, about, uh, the, the uh, Fulton County election, about January 6th, uh, lots of stuff. We're going to continue this conversation. Um, if you go to Twitter or X or whatever it's called, um, if you go to my handle, at The Pollock Show, we're having a Twitter space after the show. Uh, we do this every Monday at 830, where we'll talk more about all these topics if you want to hear more and talk to some of the guests that were on the show today. Um, before I go tonight, I have to, and, I, and I'm honored to bring um, my good friend Kenny on the show. Kenny is COO of Beard Vet Coffee. Now, this is one of my newest sponsors. They have amazing coffee, but they also have beard oils and grooming products and apparel and rubs and mugs and tumblers and all kinds of good stuff. And if you want some of their stuff, if you go to their website, www.beardvet.com, and put in code DAVID, you get 10% off. Who doesn't like good deals on coffee, right? Especially great coffee. Kenny, welcome to the David Pollock Show. Hello, David. How are you? Good. Now, we've been trying to connect a while. You have a busy life running a fantastic company. And uh, in a couple of minutes left that I have on the show, I want you to tell my listeners a little bit about Beard Vet Coffee because um, Beard Vet is such a great brand, and you guys do so much good work in addition um, to producing great products. So why don't you tell me a little bit about Beard Vet? Yeah, uh, so in 2017, our uh, founder, Sean George, a disabled Marine vet, started the company uh, with the intention of, you know, giving back to giving back to vets. And so started with beard grooming, moved into coffee, and now we're just creating a brand. You know, the problem with America today is that we put convenience in front of values. And uh, it's so easy to go and stand in line in, in, in a drive-through with these liberal companies that don't care about what you think. And what we're trying to do is give you another option that you know what we think. We stand for what we are. We're started right, and we're staying right, unlike some of the other companies that put pew-pews on their bags and pretend to be MAGA or <laughs> pretend to be America first. We're unapologetically America first, and that's who we are. Yeah, and, and, and it's not and not only is it a great cause that's actually supporting Patriots, the product's fantastic, too. They, right when they sponsored me, guys, I'm telling you the truth, um, not just because they're a sponsor. They said, no, 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 I don't want you to say anything until you actually try our stuff. And they sent me coffee, and it was 
great. They sent me some, some the, the logos are fantastic. It's a brand that actually takes care of America uh, and your palate. So I highly recommend this brand. Um, and I, I highly recommend you guys going and trying some Beard Vet coffee. And again, that's www.beardvet.com. And don't forget to put in promo code David so you can get that 10% off. Uh, I'm running short on time. Kenny, I want to have you back on again to talk more about the brand. Um, the show got away from me today, as it always does, because we have an exciting David Pollock show. But I'm excited that you were able to actually call in tonight and we were able to have yeah. this conversation. But you're welcome back Perfect. anytime. We could talk about whatever you'd like, whenever you'd like to. Perfect. I may join your spaces, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more. Please do, guys. That's right. The Twitter yeah, space, right. 8.30. You could talk to Kenny. You could talk uh, You could talk to Garland. We're all going to be there after having a good old time talking forever. And uh, so join us there. Kenny, thanks for calling in. Thank you. Appreciate you. Guys, remember to check out BeardVet.com. One other thing I want to tell you about, coming up in November, the 10th through the 12th in Palm Beach, uh, is Walkacon. If you know that organization, Walkaway, they're having their fifth year anniversary Walkacon. It's going to be a conference of a lot of patriots who really just want to do good work for the country. I will be there. You better be there, too. We're going to be talking about it from now till November. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show tonight. Guys, a lot of great information every time you tune in to The David Pollock Show. So tune in every week at 7 p.m. And you never know what you're going to hear. And so also, don't forget to go to www.thedavidpollockshow.com for past episodes. And go check out our Twitter space at 830. Guys, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week.